Sarnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30, 35, 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today we have a lot of basketball talk to get with you guys. Last time uh, we were on was right before the Texas A&M game. So Auburn has had three games. We went two and one with wins against Texas A&M and Vanderbilt at home with a one-point loss to Florida on the road coming yesterday. So we either just kind of – let's just start with the Florida game. There wasn't a ton to break down. Uh, nothing really exciting happened in that A&M game. Uh, and then we'll kind of tie in our Vanderbilt analysis with the – Florida game, but Wheeler, just kind of give us your, you know, just kind of how you were feeling going into the game and just how your uh, how your thoughts fluctuated throughout the game and kind of where you are and are you hitting the panic button now like a lot of Auburn fans are? You know, I don't think I would say that I'm hitting the panic button necessarily on basketball just because they lost this game. I do think I would say that this was the first game that I felt like the loss was preventable and was the fault of players and coaches. I didn't feel like it was just the other team played super well. Um, You know, we've had a lot of games that have been close, that were close because of a bad performance by either the Auburn players or the Auburn coaching staff. And this was just kind of the perfect storm of, you know, honestly both having a really poor game, in my opinion. Um. You know, Bruce Pearl teams typically struggle on the road. I think that's in part due to the fact that, you know, Bruce is very active in his coaching. Uh, You know, when you go to a game, you can hear him yelling and calling out the offense and not just calling out plays on the offense, but calling out like, KD, cut, cut, cut. And when you're in a raucous environment like that Florida game, it's really tough for him to orchestrate the offense from the sideline. So I think, you know, that's part of your problem is that you can't hear. Um, And then second of all, I just – you have 17 turnovers and you're playing a team that's fighting for their tournament life, and that's going to be tough to go do on the road. So between turnovers and then I think that last possession, I mean, the players got the turnover, made a miraculous comeback to make it a, a thing where they had a shot to win it at the end. And one of the most unimaginative plays that we could have possibly drawn up is what we went with. Um, You know, the still shot is going around of Walker being open with 1.9 seconds left. I don't think that it's fair to take a still shot of what happened in time and say, oh, he was open. Because in reality, as soon that had just happened. And as soon as that happened, Wendell jumps up and the Florida defender slides back. Like, he didn't just have a wide-open guy that he missed. Like, the play wasn't there for him. 
he panicked because I don't think he wanted to do what he had done in the last end of game situation, which is lost one from the logo in double coverage. Um, so I think he had a confidence issue. I think the play wasn't drawn up super well. Um, I, I really don't understand why your outlet there isn't to go to Jabari. Why? You know, I mean, even the dribble that he makes to get out of trouble, he's clearly dribbling to get out of trouble, not to take the shot but he, he's not going towards anybody that you'd want him to take the shot. It's either him throwing it down low into double coverage to Walker or kicking it out to Allen, which, I mean, if I had anybody on our team who was taking a game-winning shot, I think Allen is the person that I have the least amount of confidence in taking it as someone who would be on the floor in an in-game situation. I mean, genuinely, I think I might want to have Walker take a three-point shot over Allen taking a three-point shot at the end of the game. Um, his offense has just not, not been there quite yet this season. So yeah, um, tough game, lots of just ugly, ugly turnovers where they're trying to make a long outlet pass and the ball gets sent into the fifth row. Um, and then Florida, I mean, I think Florida played the exact same game that they played in Auburn arena. The problem is, is Auburn did not play a clean game in the second half and, they honestly just gave the game away. And so, yeah, it's frustrating to see because with Tennessee going down this weekend, that would have really Kentucky. helped us. Huh? You mean Kentucky? Yeah. Well, Kentucky didn't lose this weekend. Well, uh, the midweek game with Kentucky losing and ten- – yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Auburn was in a really good position to take the driver's seat and basically lock up the SEC championship. Um and it just didn't happen. Uh, and so that's always frustrating to see. So frustrating to see. I don't think that the team is, you know, not going to make it far in March. Everybody is panicking over that. When you look back, the team that went to the Final Four this same weekend got thumped by Kentucky. Like, they've got plenty of time to get on track and get going for March. But the thing is, they are going to have to get going because if they played like this, I still think they could get through the first weekend on a neutral site playing like this, but this isn't how you want to be playing in March because you're not going to last long, and it's really tough to get a streak going starting in the Sweet 16 as opposed to, you know, starting in the S- into SEC play, SEC tournament play. Yeah, and I think you touched on a little bit uh, a little bit earlier with like with how Bruce runs the offense so much is when he's saying all that stuff at home that's why our offense flows so much better at home because of how involved Bruce is in the offense and you know we we had a more of an advantage back in 2019 because Jared called plays and Jared knew the offense enough to call plays but in 2020 you know in 2020 we didn't have that and you saw that kind of that's why in 2020 we played so bad on the road was because Javon was a good player. He was a good facilitator, but he couldn't call the plays. And so that's why the offense did so bad in the road then. And this year it's kind of the same, is that we don't really have a point guard that's calling plays. And it won't be as much of a problem in March because it'll be a neutral site. And if anything, Auburn will probably have a slight advantage in a lot of these games where Bruce can call the plays, you know? And against Alabama, you know, that was probably one of our best road wins it was 50% off. Like we, you know, that there weren't a lot of Bammers in Coleman that night. So the players could hear Bruce more than they could against Florida or, you know, even Georgia. So I think that that's something to keep in mind. 
I agree with what you said back in 2019. It was actually February 23rd of 20 of 2019, which is later. I mean, it's it's February 20th right now. That Auburn team that made the Final Four lost by 27 points to Kentucky. Was not a competitive game. Absolutely terrible. Very next game, they go to Georgia, who is an average Georgia team, and Chumla's got to hit that big three at the end of the game to lift us up. And, you know, then we kind of started stringing together some wins. But at the time, we weren't hot, you know. We were – our worst game of the season happened on February 23rd in that year. And, you know, the rest is history. We all know it happened. And I think that it's – you know, th- this is part of the thing. It's, it's the grind of the SEC. It, if you're going to play teams night in, night out, you're playing teams like Florida who are str- – I mean, you have the number two team coming in. You're on the bubble. You really need that win. And Auburn's coming in just trying to hang on to their lead and just trying to not lose, you know? And that, that was the thing. I felt like Auburn was playing the game to not lose. And Auburn was scared to lose the game. And Florida was pushing as hard as they could to win because they're trying to get to the tournament. So I think that that was a big problem was that Auburn, was, Auburn wasn't playing with the same intensity that Florida was in the sense that we, we – Florida wanted to win more than they wanted to lose, and Auburn wanted to not lose more than we wanted to win. And so I think that that's just kind of a problem with Auburn. And honestly, the whole team is kind of in a slump, you know, except for Jabari. And the reason that this game was so close was because Jabari was just so good. And you look at Vanderbilt, the whole team as a team didn't play that way. But Jabari and Walker had career highs. And so this game, Walker has 11 points and three rebounds. And Walker just doesn't do well against Colin Castleton. I mean, that's just just simple as that. We have to hope that – I mean, we hope we don't see Florida again because Walker can't do what he does against Colin Castleton. But Walker couldn't get going. Jabari was, I mean, incredible. But Allen, Allen had two points and one shot. KD had 12 points, three of eight shooting, oh, three from three. Zepp, zero points, only took one shot. Jalen Williams, zero points, 0 for 2 shooting. Dylan, two points, one of five shooting. Devin, two points, one of one shooting. Wendell, five points, two of 10 shooting. So you look at our percentages. I mean, we shot 85% from the line and 36% from three. Like, we've, we've played worse than that and looked better. But the issue was we turned it over 17 times. And the guys that were, the guys that were, hot and the guys that were making shots weren't shooting enough you know it's like you know obviously you want to give the ball to the hot guy and obviously Jabari Jabari is kind of excluded from this conversation because he shot how much he needed to he scored he did everything he needed to do but and I know Allen's been struggling offensively but it's like okay if you're gonna if you're a starter on a high level basketball team you should take more than one shot a game I don't care who you are. You should shoot the ball more than once a game if you're a starter. And we had two starters that only shot the ball once. We had our backup center shoot the ball five times. Like, that. it was just the, the shots that we were taking were not necessarily smart shots. I just didn't think that the guys were really playing how they should have been playing. Wendell is in a – I mean, he's in a slump. You know, this is kind of his second slump of the season. He started the season pretty good, and then he kind of went down – around that USF game, you know, and he really kind of kind of struggled. And then he started coming on really strong 
and he had an extended streak in conference play where he was really good, and now he's kind of going down again. And it was okay, and people didn't notice as much back at the beginning of the season because everyone else was doing good and we were winning. But now that we're starting to have close games with teams that we shouldn't really be close with and, you know, Wendell's struggling, people are noticing it more, and he's getting more flat. But also, like, the, we're starting to see the reasons why Wendell isn't the starter. You know, when Zepp comes in, he flows the offense better. He doesn't turn it over as much. Wendell's a very emotional player, and he's just not as he's just not as calm as Zepp. And I think that that's something we saw at the end of the play. You know, at the end of the game, the play was to go to Walker, which you know, debate however you want. The ball should have been in Jabari's hands, and I don't think that's necessarily debatable. I think that if you have the number one person, I think if you have the number one overall pick. You give him the ball at the end of the game, no matter what he's doing. He he was our leading scorer. He was hot. He was four of five from three, seven of 16 from the field, 10 of 11 from the free throw line. So he was getting calls. Like, when you're down one, give the ball to him and either let him shoot a shot that he's comfortable taking or let him drive in and get fouled and ice the game on free throws. Like, And he's in single coverage. They're exactly. not even double yeah. covering the guy. Exactly. There was just, it did not make sense to me why we didn't give it to Jabari. There were multiple times that game where I didn't understand Bruce not calling a timeout. And this is something, this is something Bruce will never do. He'll never call a timeout. That's the thing. If it's the big moment, he's going to let him play it through. He's never going to call a timeout. And his reasoning, his reasoning makes a little bit of sense on what he, he says that he will not call timeouts when the other team is on a run because he says that it, when you're in an away of environment, it juices the crowd up more to see the other team call a timeout, and the crowd is even crazier when you come back out. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that reasoning, but I can see where he's coming from, and I can, I can respect him not calling timeouts on runs. In certain moments, you have to call a timeout. Like a moment when, when Jabari gets the steal on the inbound, Jabari falls down, and Walker's dribbling it up the floor, and tries to pass it to Wendell. The ball gets deflected out of bounds, and it was our ball. So there were two seconds taken off the clock, and when you see Walker dribbling the ball up the floor and Jabari's on the ground, that's when you call a timeout because you know you're not going to score on that. Like, th that's just not how – like, the chances that you turn it over with Walker dribbling it up the floor, your guards are all covered. He has to make a tight pass. It either gets deflected or gets stolen, and your best player is – 10 feet behind you on the ground because he just got the steal and you have three timeouts like call a timeout draw up a play and go and then again when Wendell when the play is shut down and you see that the play that you called is not going to work and Wendell's panicking call a timeout with three seconds left and draw up the play that you had to Jabari against UConn where you find them open in the corner like there were a lot like we have plays for less than three seconds and you know we talked about this after the game that you think that the reason that that our plays for Jabari are reserved for March. And when we have the close game situations in March, that's when we're going to get into our Jabari plays. And that's fine. But I just don't understand not calling a timeout in the situation where you see that the play is busted and it's not going to work and Wendell doesn't get a shot off. Because the fact that Wendell has had, in the past four games, he has had three late into the half situations against Arkansas he pulls up from the logo and misses it we go to overtime and lose against in the first half of Florida 
he has 24 seconds when he crosses half court and we end up not getting a shot off 24 seconds it's like the time was not a factor and then at the end of the game he doesn't get a shot off with nine seconds left when he the play just fell apart like you have to get a shot off i mean that's just that's just embarrassing like i i with what Wendell has done this season, he has been he has been a really good point guard. He has been a really solid player, but in the end of a game, someone's got to shoot the ball. Like, I would much rather Allen shoot it from the logo than Wendell just not shoot the ball. You know, like there is no excuse for not getting a shot off, and that's why, in a late game situation, it's okay if Wendell has the ball, but. He's got to be able to be in a situation where if the play gets blown up, he can improvise and he can at least get a shot up instead of just panic and try and just force it to Walker and it just not work. So I think that if Wendell's not going to be able to adapt his surroundings in a late-game situation, then you can't give him the ball in those late-game situations. And you give it to Jabari, you give it you, – you find something. But – Someone else has got to handle the ball if Wendell is not going to be able to make those quick decisions at the end of a game when the time's going down, the play gets blown up. Yeah, I think it. Wendell is not. Wendell is, is not a guy that's going to be able to fight through a lot of contact, to get to the basket. So in an in-game situation. Like the ref is most likely not going to call a foul. He's not going to call a ticky-tack foul when you're driving. And when you're 5-7 and, you know, fall over when the wind blows, like, that's not the guy you want driving. And you probably don't want a dude shooting a logo three. And I just think that's what you're going to get out of him being the point guard on that kind of situation. You know, I mean, Florida was going to be physical with whoever went down low. So you want, in my opinion, honestly, anyone but Wendell. I don't know. It, it's very frustrating because I think he's a good player, but I don't think his game is very well-suited for in-game situations. You know, I just – and that's that's a difficult thing. And I don't think he's – the. it's just odd because his game is not well-suited for in-game situations. And he's probably not the best player on the team, yet he's always the guy that gets these in-game situations. And I, I don't know if Bruce is calling these up or if Bruce is calling plays and Wendell just panics and keeps the ball and is going rogue, you know? Because yeah, I can I see th- that being the case, too. Yeah, and I think it's a difficult situation because when you look at Auburn's roster, you have, you've got Wendell who can probably – you can make the argument that he can create for himself better than anyone on the team. But he's a little turnover prone. And his decision making is not ideal. So you've got that. You have Zip, who's not—he's just not a scorer. So you don't really give—you don't really put the ball in his hands at the end of a situation, at the end of a game situation. KD is so just crazy and out of control that you never know what you're going to get if you give the ball to him in a late game situation. Allen is just a bulldozer with no confidence. Like the chances that he's going to get called for a charge at the end of a game are very uh-huh. high. Jabari doesn't really create that much for himself. If you give the ball to Jabari at the end of a game situation, he's probably just going to pull up. And he can make it, like, no doubt. Like, it's not a bad shot if Jabari just takes a contested mid-range. 
But if you look at percentages, it's not the highest percentage shot. And Walker, like, my thing with walk, going to Walker, the, the goal was to go to Walker at the end of the Florida game. And I just don't understand that because Walker can't create for himself. The points that Walker gets are from lobs and putbacks. But the amount of times where we have just given the ball to Walker and let him use his post moves and get to the basket and score, it's not that high. And if you look on the bench, like Devin doesn't create for himself. Jalen Williams doesn't really create for himself. Dylan doesn't create for himself. Like the way this team is, is that there aren't a lot of guys that are great ISO players. And so Wendell's our best ISO player in the sense that it's, he can do more. Like Jabari's the best, Jabari's the best player on the team. But Jabari also has a high, Jabari gets stripped more than anyone else on the team. And that's the problem. So it's like, when you look at our roster, we're just not really built for late game, last play situations, you know? And that's why in, you know, in 2019, we very rarely went to Bryce at, you know, on the last possession of a game because he was a catch and shoot guy. He didn't really create for himself. We went to Jared or Chuma a lot because they created for themselves and they could, they could make the play. But this team doesn't really have that. And this team's a great basketball team. And you, you can make the argument that they're better than that 2019 team. But when it comes to a last possession game, I'm taking Jared Harper ISO one-on-one over anybody on this team. And you can make the argument that I'd take Chuma over anybody on this team in an isolation one-on-one play where it's the end of the game situation. Now, if I want a bucket, I'm going to Jabari. But And that's, that's kind of the argument is that Jabari isn't necessarily a guy who will put the ball on the floor and will either blow past you or step back or shoot. Usually he does he moves his feet and he creates enough separation to get a shot off. But that's just not super ideal for a late game situation. So I think that Bruce has a decision to make and he's got to identify who's getting the ball at the end of the game and he's got to stick with it. And going into March, they've got to be the closer and they've got to be the guy. I just think that everybody on this team is going to step back and take a shot. Nobody's getting to the hoop. In a late game situation, except for maybe KD. Yeah, maybe KD. But I mean, is KD a finisher enough that you you want to put your season on the line on KD trying to? I think I'd rather have Jabari taking a thirty five foot shot, honestly. Yeah. Than KD making a a run down near the hoop where he's not getting fouled. Yeah. Because they aren't they aren't calling a foul. They're going to hack you, and they're not going to call a foul. Like. It's basically a free pass street ball, and KD's good, but KD's good because he gets fouled a lot. How many yeah. times does KD actually finish? You know, I mean, not a super high percentage. I, I just think you got to get the ball to Jabari. I know that his game is taking a, a low percentage shot, but it's not a low percentage shot for him. That's fair. And, I mean, that's what they do. He's an NBA player, and guess what? In the NBA – they're fine with you taking a shot. Like, lots of those game-winning shots are not a drive down to the bucket because they know the dude's going to get hacked, and he's probably not going to finish if he's getting hacked. You know? Mm-hmm. They're not going to call foul. He's not going to finish. You got to shoot, and you got to shoot where you have space. I don't – at first, I thought, you know, you want Wendell out there to create. At this point, I honestly think you may want Zepp out there to create for one of your other playmakers. You know? Have Zep out there, and then the, the ball's either going to Walker or it's going to Jabari. So the ball's not being double-teamed, but they can't double-team Jabari and Walker. 
and he either throws a lob to Walker uh, or you kick it to Jabari. But you're not going to turn the ball over. You're going to get a shot at the at the goal that's not the shortest guy on the floor shooting from the logo in a double-team situation. Because that's what it's been. I mean, best-case scenario, if he doesn't throw the ball away to Walker, he's double-teamed going sideways shooting a shot from outside of three-point land. Uh, when he turned the ball over at the end of the half, best-case scenario, he was shooting from – 40 feet away in the corner. You know, like, these. it's not like something was there and he just, oh, lost the handle. It's not like in football where Kobe Hudson fumbled and, oh, the touchdown was there. Like, no, it, it was a train wreck. Like, the the turnover was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but it wasn't looking great for that play. Yeah, and I think that's – it's something that you have to – you have to be able to identify. And this is something, obviously, they work on late-game situations all the time in practice. And obviously, Wendell must be better in practice at late-game situations because he's the closer for a reason. But I just think that you've got you've to make the in-game adjustment and say, who do I think is going to win me the game here? Because when we saw that Wendell had the ball at the end of the game, I think that a lot of us didn't think that we were going to win because of how the game had gone and how poorly Wendell had played that game. You know, it's one thing, like, if Wendell is hot and Wendell is one of the best scorers on the team that game, like, yeah, okay, him having the ball, it makes sense. But in a game where he was 2 of 10 and hadn't made a 3, and, I mean, he, he had five points and one of them was on a free throw. So you're just like, okay, like, why is he the guy in this situation? Like, give it to your best. Like, it, it's one thing if you're going to say, all right, we're going to give it to the guy who's hot and not our best player. But your best player was by far the hottest player on the team. He only had three guys scoring double figures that game. One scored 11. The other scored 12. The other scored 28. And the guy who scored 28 is going to get number one overall in the NBA and was single covered. Like, it, it just didn't seem like it was that much of a – like, why would you not give it to him? You know, like it, it just didn't make a ton of sense to me on why Jabari was not the guy. Especially just like how, like how good he's been the past two games. Like, he scored 31 against Vanderbilt. He comes straight in, scores 28 against Florida. Like, he's been hot for multiple games, and we didn't give him the ball. And, like, it, it just, it was just kind of confusing using to me now all of the people that were saying that were trashing Wendell I I don't agree with you know the guy's a great player you know he, he's a great player and he has been great for us this season and he's going to get out of a slump and he's going to be really good in March I think but as of right now and as of how the game was going yesterday I don't think that there's much of a defense for why the ball should have been in his hands at the end of that game no I, I can't think of any so I think that that just, you know, that was kind of our thought process at the end of the game situation. But I don't think that there is a massive reason to panic because Auburn still has, we have a one-game lead over Kentucky for the SEC race. It's not an ideal situation because Auburn really needs to win out. So the rest of Auburn's schedule, you have Ole Miss at home and South Carolina at home. 
those are both going to be wins. Like, I, I'm not worried about those games at all. We're not going to lose the game at home. The road games, you have Mississippi State on the road, you have Tennessee on the road. Those are both tough, tough games. Tennessee is a great team. I mean, Tennessee is a great team. Beat, I mean, they beat uh, Kentucky earlier this week, 76 to 63. Then they lost to Arkansas on the road, 58-48. I mean, those are those are the four the four best teams in the SEC. It's Auburn, Kentucky, Tennessee, and Arkansas. Any one of those teams can be any one of the others on any given night. So Tennessee can 100% beat us at home. Like that, that's a legit thing. But we can also go in there and win. Like the 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 possibility that we win that game is is there. Now. Will it be easy? Absolutely not. Do we need to start getting hot? Absolutely. But that's a game where I think it can just spark us for the rest of the season. If you can go into Tennessee and win, you can go into Starkville and win. You can beat South Carolina at home. If we can go 4-0 and in these next few games, we just won the SEC regular season. The guys are fired up going to the SEC tournament, and we are propelled into March with a ton of momentum. Now, if we lose to Tennessee, that's – it's going to be a tough one, and in all likelihood, we'll probably share the SEC regular season title with Kentucky, assuming we don't lose to Mississippi State. I mean, that would just be an absolute train wreck if we go two and two in the next four. But, Wither, what do you kind of think – What in your heart of hearts, what do you think will happen in the next four games? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I can't say that I feel good about the next four games. You know, I'm typically the optimist. Um, I, this team is – it's a tough spot where they are right now. And I don't know – I don't know if they're going to be able to surrender their egos enough here at the end of the season to to get it done. You know, I, I don't know if Wendell and KD are going to be able to recognize the way that they're playing – and and give the ball to the other guys enough? Or do I think that Wendell and KD both being in a slump makes it possible for us to win the SEC? I mean, if you've got two guys that are in, the, in a slump, uh, other people have to step up really large, and that just – it hasn't happened at all. Um, I don't know. It, it's very strange because you had this really good depth earlier in the year, and it seemed like once Leo or Berman got hurt, they just kind of decided they weren't going to do this deep rotation anymore. Um, so you haven't really seen much of Chris Moore. You haven't seen anything from Leo since he got hurt. Um, and then KD and Wendell are just – they're either fire or they're ice. And right now, as cold as they are, I don't, I don't feel confident that they're going to go on the – I don't feel confident that that team that I saw play on Saturday is going to go beat a ranked team on the road the next week. You know, a team that just whacks the floor with Kentucky. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just – they're not playing super well right now. And so, no, I'm, I'm not giving up on their chances in the tournament. I think that there's a chance that they could get hot. But right now, they're in a tough, tough spot right now because that – I mean, legitimately, the team has not played well for the past two or three weeks. You know, like, they beat Vanderbilt, but like you said, Jabari and Walker both had career nights. And Vanderbilt's honestly not very good and kind of hung around. 
uh, you lost to Arkansas in a game that, again, you should have won, but you just you made too many mistakes to win. You know, you met you shot forty something percent from free throw land. Um, so they're doing a lot of things that are making it really hard to win basketball games. And at some point you just got to stop doing those things again. You know, they, they've gotten away with those things and a lot of the wins. And that's the thing is a lot of the close wins that they've had have not been from a tremendous effort from them. It's been a close game against a really bad opponent, like Missouri or Georgia, who was so bad that you just out talented them. But now they're kind of getting into these hard teams. And when it gets to March, you're going to have to play well. And they're just not doing that right now. They're not playing good basketball. And I don't have, I don't have high confidence that they win the SEC. I think worst-case scenario and very likely scenario is that they could lose two of the next four, lose those two road games. You don't win the SEC. You go in, you're not a one seed in the SEC tournament, and you lose in your first game in the SEC tournament, and you go into the NCAA tournament, a three seed, and on a huge skid. Because that looks like that's where the team's headed right now. Like, I think that that's more likely than them winning out and being a one seed in the SEC tournament and being super successful unless something dramatically changes. But, I mean, just right now, it doesn't look good. They're not playing very well cohesively. They're turning the ball over. Um, the game plans have been lackluster, in my opinion. Um, yeah, it just looks like everybody's tired and just kind of a little tight and nervous about this SEC championship. Yeah, I, I agree with I agree with part of what you're saying. I think that I think that people are hitting the panic button a little too quick. And I agree with a lot of what you said. The, the team that played against uh, Florida. I don't think we'll beat Tennessee on the road. I don't think we'll beat Mississippi State on the road. But I just don't think we'll see that team again. I don't. I, I think that I think the guys are going to kind of get out of the skid because really where it started was when Zepp got strep throat. That was the, the defining moment of he wakes up on, I think it was February 5th against Georgia. He wakes up. He has strep throat. We barely beat Georgia. We lose to Arkansas on the road. We beat Texas A&M in a game that was just really, just not real exciting. I mean, honestly, that was just kind of a boring game. Beat Vanderbilt on career high nights from some guys. Go in to the swamp and lose. The guards really haven't played very well since that Alabama game. Now, with that being said, we have had five games where we haven't been as good as we were against Alabama. And before Alabama, we had Oklahoma, we had Missouri. Not, I mean, Oklahoma was a decent game. Missouri was obviously a bad one. Kentucky. So uh, I just think that, I think that this team is, I think that the slumps have lasted and that they have ran their course. I think that, I think that uh, we apologize for that. We had a little bit of technical difficulties, but just to kind of resume just kind of where I was going with that, uh, with that comment, you just look at where Auburn has been in the past few games. The guards have really struggled. And, you know, Walker's been, you know, as advertised, he's been good. Jabari's been really good. But the guards haven't. And I think that going in, I personally think against Ole Miss, I think we win that game convincingly. 
I think that we're going to go into Knoxville. I think we're going to win. I think we went out in the regular season, personally. I, I agree with what you said. I think that if we – if the same team that went up into Gainesville and got whooped, I think that if that team shows up against Tennessee, I think it'll get ugly. But I just don't think that's the team that's going to show up. I think this team has – I think this team has something special. And I really think that they're going to be able to draw that out of them. And – People just like, I think that the reason that we are, the reason that everyone's freaking out is because of how much this team won and how all the losses looked before this. We lost to UConn in double overtime. Great team. That's a fine loss on a neutral site. Lost to a good, really good Arkansas team in a raucous environment. That's a really good loss. This is the only loss that's not a good loss. Like, that doesn't happen. Like, most college basketball teams have bad losses. Like, that's just how it is. That's how college basketball is. And the way that, the way that people treat sports is that they compare – you compare it to the last team that just won. In football, you compare it to the last national championship. In basketball, everyone's been comparing us. You know, we've, we've, we've done this a ton. You compare us to Baylor last season and what they did. And the flaw with that is that last season, it was the most – it was the weirdest year in college basketball history. There weren't really fans. It was just weird. It was a weird year. And Baylor was better than a lot of teams and probably would have won a national championship regardless if there were fans, but there weren't. So there were just a lot more blowouts and there was, you know, it was just a weird, weird year. But if you look at previous years, Virginia, they had a really, I, if I remember right, they had a really close loss against, or either a close loss or a real tight win against an average Notre Dame team around this time. They didn't look great until the ACC tournament. And if I'm not mistaken, they lost. They lost in the ACC tournament championship that year to Florida State. So they even they went into that tournament, and they had lost their most recent game. So they weren't exactly red hot. Villanova in 2018, they I want to say they lost to, they lost to Butler. I think they lost to Butler at some point in that season. And they weren't really hot. They lost to, let's see, they lost to Providence. That's who it was. They lost to Providence on February 14th on the road. They were ranked number two in the country, and they lost the road game to Providence. Like, that, it, it was an, it, like, Providence was a decent team that year, but they weren't, like, they weren't amazing. They were 17 and nine at the time. Do you want to know what Florida is right now? 17 and 10. It was a very similar loss. So, and that Villanova team was 20, it put them at 23 and three, exact same record as Auburn has right now. If you look at that, like, it, it, I think that if you just look at that team, is that Villanova team caught fire in March and really just blew through everybody once they got to March. But they had a game against a decent Big East team, which is the equivalent of this year's Florida team, and they got beat. And they got beat on the road, and they came back, and they were fine. Their stars did good that game, and everyone else did bad that game. I think we'll be okay. I think that the problem is, and, you know, we're as guilty as this as anybody, is that you don't want to get, and we said this a little bit earlier, and I think that we had, we had the mentality of not get too high on the wins and not get too high on the losses. But the issue is when you're, or not get too low on the losses, not get too high on the wins. But if, you, if you're looking at it, we were, we go into that tournament in the Bahamas and we were cautious about what we were going to do. We ended up kind of being like, okay, we're in a decent spot after that. 
going into the rest of the season, we were like, you know, I think we'll be okay in March. We might not win the SEC. We ended up, you know, starting really hot. We're in the first place in the SEC late in the season. If we don't win the SEC, it doesn't mean that we're not going to win in March. There are a lot of teams that don't win their conference that perform well in March. Auburn, at this time, has two really good losses and one loss that's not great, but it's not necessarily terrible. And so we haven't gotten crazy high on the wins. We've never been saying, oh, my gosh, we just beat Kentucky. We're the best team in the world. We're the best team ever. Oh, my gosh, we're going to win the national championship. Against Alabama, we weren't like, oh, my gosh, we're going to win the national championship. Against Florida, we shouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, we're going to lose. The whole season's a wash. It's all falling apart. Now, if we continue to play like we did against Florida, that's when you start hitting the panic button and you have a couple games skid where you start losing games. But I think that until then, you chalk this one down as well. That was a bad game. And it, just wa- it wasn't a good game. We're going to have to bounce back from that. And I think that this team has what it takes to bounce back from it. And I just think that if we look at this from a just kind of take a step back from the emotional aspect of watching Auburn basketball, we have a game against Ole Miss to kind of get back on our feet, get a little bit of momentum going, huge game against Tennessee. We can win that game against Tennessee. I think it propels us where we need to be, and I think just instantly we are in a spot where we can just close out the season with that game against Mississippi State and the game against South Carolina. I think that when we get on the podcast next Sunday and we're breaking down that Tennessee game, I expect that to be a win, and I expect that to be – I think that as of right now, I think that this Florida game will be the the last loss until either the SEC Tournament Championship or March Madness. And so I – I personally think that we win out in the regular season. I think we get the one seed in the SEC tournament and the one seed in the NCAA tournament, but we'll see. And that's just the biggest thing is now the ball is in the players' court and they're going to have to bounce back and they're going to have a huge week ahead of them. And honestly, the biggest week of the season thus far because it's a prove-it week. And they have to prove that they're still one of the top dogs on the block. They have to prove because they're going to slide in the rankings. We're probably going to slide out of the top five. And that's fine. We should. I mean, how we played against Florida, we didn't play like a top five team. We're going to slide out. We're going to not, the ranking is not going to be a factor. The players aren't going to be thinking about ranking at all. It is just, you've got five guys that are going to line up on the other side of you and you got to beat them. Whether that jersey says Ole Miss or Tennessee or Kentucky, it's irrelevant at this point. We just have to win and we're going to go in and we're going to see what happens. But I, I like I like our chances, and I'm going to bet on this team thus far, and I think we finished out the season really well. All right, so I went and looked at Kentucky's schedule. So I, I now rescind the fact that I think we will not at least get a share of the SEC championship because two of Kentucky's remaining games are at Arkansas and at Florida. Two really tough games. I think they drop at least one of those, and if they drop one of those, we should be – fine we shouldn't drop one at home and here what you just said was very rational but as y'all know I'm not the rational one I'm the emotional one and here's my perspective the past three games you've lost two of the last three and the one that you won was an ugly 
Huh? Two of the last four. Okay, yes. But still, the ones that you won were ugly against horrible teams. Texas A&M has had a meteoric fall from the higher SEC rankings. Yeah. Vanderbilt is garbage. Your team got bullied by Vanderbilt until Jabari decided to go off in the second half. But in that first half, they got worked. I mean, they got absolutely run. You know? I mean, they started the game down 12-0. to zero. All I'm saying is, I think Auburn fans are just tired of it. It keeps getting uglier. And I think it's really scaring Auburn fans because they're like, we went all in on this team and they are getting worse and worse and uglier and uglier. And the bad habits are becoming more and more pronounced. And teams are really starting to game plan around it. And it seems like they're just slipping. You know, even if they hold on for an SEC title, people just feel like this is slipping away from them. Because every game that they've played against a good team so far, they haven't played a good game against a good team in a long time. That's the problem. I mean, even the Kentucky win, they didn't play a good game against a good team. Like, they didn't. They played okay. Kentucky played bad. Auburn played okay. Auburn won the game. Like, there hasn't been a game where it felt like Auburn was just firmly in control of the game for most of the game against a quality opponent for a good while. I mean, the Alabama game was the last time that 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 was kind of the case. And even then, you give up an 18-point lead that gets cut down to like a three-point lead, and then you extend it back out. I think fans are just very concerned with how unstable this team is. You know, the emotion is great when, you know, you say KD's our psychopath, but by the same token, when KD goes down, goodness gracious, the whole team just gets dragged, you know? So I think that's the just the common fan feeling like this team that they've put all this emotional energy into is just slipping, and it's just kind of holding on until the finish and are not gearing up for March, but are like, oh, thank goodness the regular season's almost over, you know? Yeah, and I think that's fair, and it, you know, it's kind of reminiscent of the 2018 team when Anthony got hurt, and we felt like we were just limping forward. But I think that the difference is that we're still healthy, and I think that this team still has the potential to play like they did against Alabama and still play like they did against Kentucky, and I think they can turn it on pretty quickly. And I think that they can – I think that they can piece it together, and I think that what they need – Honestly, I think what they need is that Tennessee game because I think it, it's a, it's the num, you know, like going in, they know it's Tennessee, you know, and it's almost like I feel like we've been playing down to our opponents, but I think that we can play up to opponents as well, and we just haven't really been able to see that because we haven't really played a team that warrants playing up to. And that's like what you were saying with not playing a great team, but I think that going into Tennessee, I think that we will be able to play up to them and I think that you're gonna have a lot of emotion into that game you know Bruce doesn't want to lose to Tennessee he's gonna go hard in that game I think the players really don't want to lose to Tennessee I I think that I think that there are gonna be emotional factors that go into that game where against Florida and Vanderbilt and Texas A&M and really even Arkansas and Ole Miss they have to have they have to have something happen on the floor to get emotion you know, like if you hit a big shot or you do something exciting, that's going to juice them up. 
but going into Tennessee, seeing Justin Powell on the other bench, like it's gonna they're gonna have emotion going into that game from the start of the game to the finish. So I think that that'll be what we need to move us forward is that right at the start of the game, the emotions there, they're high and they're ready to play. Whereas the other games is they kind of walk in, they're like, oh, it's just another game. We got to get another win. And, you know, it's just another day at the office. Whereas I think that this Tennessee game will be like, okay, we're excited for this one and we want this game and we want to savor this game. We want to savor, like, it's not just let's win this game and get back to Auburn as soon as we can. It's going to be, no, we're treating this like a game and we're going to have to win this game. You know, I think that's where the mindset will be different for that Tennessee game. And that's what I'm banking on will be the turning point for this season in the point that it's the level of play on the court will really hit another level. Cause then it's like, you look at it, you got Mississippi state and, you know, we talked about this a couple podcasts ago, the emotion that goes into that game and South Carolina doesn't have any emotion at all. And that's kind of the opponent that we've been playing the past week, but there's a chance that we can clinch the sec. And if you win that game, there's going to be confetti. It's like, that's, that's a championship type game. So I think that the next games, I mean, Ole Miss doesn't really have any emotion at all going into that game. But I think Tennessee, Mississippi State, and South Carolina are all going to have that emotional aspect from before the game starts. And I think that that's really what's going to help move this team into the next level. And then I think that they'll be able to sustain that come tournament time. But, it, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's not – there's nothing that we know is going to happen. And I could, I mean, I could be right. Y'all could be right. We don't know. And we're just gonna have to wait and see, but that's just kind of how I'm, how I'm seeing the potential that this team is going to have going into the next few games. You think we can both agree that the team needs to stop dancing on the other team's logo? Yes. Beginning I think to that, think this is bad juju. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, and I think they do it to they do it every game, but I do think that at this point it's like okay, dance in the paint. You know, like yeah. I, I I agree with what you're saying because the past two games, past two road games, the fans have all, all gotten excited about it and it's gotten all riled up and it's just not a great, it's just not a great thing that both times that it's been documented and videoed and they've been talking about it are games that we've lost. So, yeah, I do agree. Stop doing that. Yeah. But I think that, that kind of wraps up our podcast for this week. Um, we'll be back next week. To, obviously, we'll be talking about Ole Miss and Tennessee. Uh, that'll probably be a lengthier podcast than this one was. This was kind of a quick one just to mainly talk about that Florida game. Um, if you guys have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to DM the page. Uh, thank you all for listening. I'm War Eagle. War Eagle.